Hey, it's Zach. On this week's episode of At The 55, love is in the air at the Panda Game. We put our stamp on some revenge games coming up and all the usual shenanigans we get into here on the podcast. So with no further ado, let's jump into the action. This is Justice Allen, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Sarzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle for the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At The 55. At The 55. At The 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. All right, to start off today's episode, we're going to start with a new thing that we tried out this week. On Instagram, we did our people's choice, player's choice pick for player of the week. And thank you to all who responded to the Instagram polls. And our winner... For the first inaugural player's choice is Trey Fort. Um, we'll get into all the details of his performance when we break down that uh, amazing Waterloo Western game. But once again, just thank you so much to everyone who took the time to uh, respond to that. And you know, this is going to be something we'll continually do. So if you want to, you know, give a shout out to someone on your team who performed, or just a shout out to anyone in the league that you just feel like had a great performance definitely look for that probably probably Sunday yeah or it'll probably be up on Sunday uh, maybe we'll post something else on Monday but yeah definitely around Sunday Monday end of the week uh, check out the Instagram page for a poll regarding our people's slash players choice of the week we'll get a more official title for that I guess um, going forward but with that let's move into our who's back Dakota who's back Okay, I'm going to go a little off-board on this one. Um, I don't want to get too sappy here. My who's back of the week is true love. Let me finish. I know this is a football (laughs) podcast. Uh, Caleb Beaver uh, proposed to his girlfriend, I guess now fiancé, after Ottawa, spoiler alert, beat Carlton in the Panda game. Um, So that's my who's back of the week is true love. Hey, you love to see it. You you love to see it. I, I think everyone's question, though, is like, if they didn't pull off the win, does he still make the move? Does he not? What's the backup plan if that? I think he still makes the move. Does she still say yes? That's I'm kidding. <laughs> Beaver, I'm kidding, of course. I wish you nothing but the best. That's amazing. Well, well, to keep things somewhat off script, my who's back is you, Dakota. Where'd I go? Well, I believe you went to West Virginia, were I, you not? I did. I did go to West Virginia, horns down, to watch uh, the Mountaineers get smacked up by the Longhorns. I don't want to talk about how much money I lost or how much I drank, but that also is going to segue into my do better of the week. And it's nothing against the players and the coaches out there. My do better goes strictly to the schools. It is your school spirit. It is your homecoming. Obviously, America football is much bigger. True. But as a as a person who has been to many a homecoming, both suited up and drank up a little bit. I can tell you that America does it the best. They gotta get we gotta get more fans out to Canadian games, more responsible drinking. Nothing wrong with the drinking we're doing, but you know, having a tailgate out there, having a little it's a little bit more school spirit. Stop making it just about frosh getting absolutely wasted and get the local community involved. So my do better, I know we're past most of the homecomings. Westerns is actually coming up after the bye week. So my do better is definitely gonna be School spirit and homecomings in Canada. Beautiful, and I will absolutely uh, echo those remarks. I've never been to a homecoming in the states, but you know we have some great football down here. Let's celebrate it. Let's and one hundred percent. And on the point of celebrating great football, we had one of the great celebrations of football 
this past weekend, and let's get into that first. It's the Panda Game Review. Let's jump into it. Let's do it. Final score in this game, the Ottawa GGs 32, the Carlton Ravens 10. Pedro remains at Ottawa U as the uh, GGs take this game again. And before we get into the breakdown, a very... A very interesting thing transpired leading into this game, and we didn't find out about this till after. And to be honest, I can't be more proud of of, of you specifically, Dakota, <laughs> but just our whole team here as a whole. I I think it doesn't. You know, we've kind of joked about you taking credit for for Clark Barnes's success and some of the other players that you've known and coached in the past. I'm a hundred percent willing to to let you just take credit for this Ottawa GG's victory. Why don't you go ahead and tell the people why that? I is? don't. I don't. I don't want to take credit. Um, but as <laughs> as anyone that listens to this knows that you know I like to stir the pot a little bit, ruffle a little bit of feathers. Uh, no pun intended against Carlton. Um, so before this game, I released or we released the video saying that I don't think Ottawa. You know, they may not win another game this season just the way they've been performing on offense. And I said that the defense can't win them games. And I have a, you know, my Ottawa insider, he sent me a little picture, and it was a picture of of our video, and saying, someone come and collect their man. <laughs> I won't say who said that, but I will say that they play on Ottawa, and they play on defense, and they scored one of the touchdowns, so you guys can do the math and figure it out. So one, Ottawa, big ups to you, congratulations on an unbelievable defensive effort, and Zach and I will get into that in a moment. The second thing, though, I did narrow down my shit-disturbing to the performance of the offense. And for that, I will not back down. I I like to make outlandish statements, but there is some logic and knowledge within that. Just to start it off, and again, it's nothing personal. Ottawa's defense played amazing, but the offense has been struggling. Last week, Miracle threw for 69 yards. This week he threw for 68 yards, threw two interceptions. Let's be real, if that defense didn't come to play, not saying that I had anything to do with the rallying up, maybe a little bit of poking and prodding or anything, but if that defense didn't come to play, they're not winning that game. Oh, 100%. And this is very much, I didn't go through the old box score, but I'm pretty sure this is almost identical to how Ottawa won it last year. Just immaculate defense and for at least the last two years perhaps a little longer but last years being the length that we've been running the podcast and really been paying uh, the most attention is that this Ottawa team does hang their hat def- on, on their defense and much like last year they were forcing a lot of turnovers and in this instance this year a lot of those turnovers as you mentioned translating two points directly to points exactly yeah not in the sense of like you get the ball you go score literally they picked it up in the end zone they scored um and then they had the the second big touchdown where the lineman ran it in um and what the one thing that i I will say for uh for carlton though oh there's a few things to say about this game but you know they had a really strong defensive effort too and it just keeps impressing me and you know, spoiler alert, I know we're leaving our... Well, we already put out our, our picks on Instagram for and Twitter for our, our players of the week. I went with Jack Kasser on defense. And it just, week after week, or at least these past two weeks since Josh Walsh has gone down and they've had Louis Kavanaugh in there, it's it's been really impressive how, for a guy who's already such an elite player, how he looks like he's really stepped up his game. De- like, defensively, if you want to enjoy Carlton's Carlton, the way they play on defense, pre-snap, find 45. Just watch. 
watch him. Don't worry about what the offense. Just watch him because he will bring you to. He will lead you to the ball when he eventually goes and gets it. Finished with seven solos, two sacks, an additional tackle for loss, and a nasty breakup uh, dropping into coverage. So he's been balling out. Uh, We've talked a lot about their front seven being really effective, and with that linebacking core, um, with Trevor Hoyt at, at the Sam as well, and on the defensive line. You know, two names that I, I didn't discover whether or look into whether they've been injured this year or whether they've just haven't had great years. Uh, but Tevin Bowen, he was phenomenal last year. I really don't feel like I've talked about him much at all this year. I don't know if he's been hurt or if he's just been just underperforming a bit. But I just took note of the fact, like, oh yeah, Tevin Bowen's still in the league. Sander Maud, he was really he was effective for them last year too. You saw him out there; he picked up a sack as well. So once again, it's 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 difficult when you have teams that are, are so uh, talented defensively, but um, well, clearly it was the offense that really just let them down in this one. Oh, I think it was the offense definitely on on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, five interceptions total. Uh, but the the turnovers. I think this is again. You know, we mentioned these before. It's one of those games that defensive battles are usually more fun to watch in person mm. and not necessarily watching them on TV. I think. That's even more so for this game when you have teams that can come out and there's multiple sacks on both sides, you know, a bunch of turnovers, defensive touchdowns. I think this is probably it's it's tough to say one of the most exciting Panda games when there's been two overtimes and a hail mary last second in the last yeah. five years. But this is definitely a top Panda game. Yeah, at least I, in my books. One well, and to your point exactly, we're we're used to we're. It still was a top game, but we're used to them coming in the form of higher scoring affairs, which obviously this one wasn't. Um, and you know, with what I said about about Carlton's offense, um, you know, we saw Nathan Carter, who hasn't of late, he's been getting back to his Nathan Carter ways that we saw last year, and I think he's he's close to setting a record too. He's or, close, yeah, yeah. He's not quite there yet for uh, I think total yards or total rushes, whatever it was. Um, he saw him limp off the field at one point. He came back into the game. Um, so that's obviously something that's going to be uh, something that will affect them down the line, no doubt. And also Chad Menchelenko, there was a part in the game where I saw him come out as well. I don't remember if he went in, went back in or not, but obviously two really big pieces for this team. And even though they're only, what, they're 2-4 and four right now? Yeah, 2-4. and four. There, oddly enough, is still a way for them to get into the playoffs. Look, I don't want to talk about this math anymore. <laughs> it hurt my brain. It's it's a little... Yeah, I mean, at this point, we might as well just leave it to the games to play out and see, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But it's 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 funny that, you know, this kind of... Not, not to gloss over the different scenarios that would have to lead into this happening, but we've mentioned for a few weeks now this Week 9 game of Carlton versus Laurier perhaps being a, a winner a winner take winner go home that is it, if a situation does arise where there is some type of a tie break between Toronto Queens Carlton Laurier which once again there's it, take, it will take a, a variety of things happening but it, it could come down to that and you know if Carlton beats Laurier they would actually hold the tie break over all three of those teams in head-to-head matchups so for Carlton you know <laughs> Two and four is not the place you want to be, not the place you probably expected to be. But they're still outrageously talented. They got to figure out this kicking game. They got to figure a hundred. Well, that can go for both sides. Well, sure, yeah, that can go. For, you know, one for eight 
combined kickers went on field goals. Yeah, oh, that could have been a do better too, actually. Yeah, it could have. But, <laughs> but no, no, fair, fair enough, fair enough. But I mean, we have seen that with Carlton. That's not just like a one-off necessarily. Uh, Campbell Fair for Ottawa has generally been pretty consistent. But overall, this Carlton team. Uh, as disappointing as it is, like you just have to, you know, be able to put your head down and be like, you have a really tough hill to climb with McMaster coming to town this coming week, and we'll get into that. But just know that you're like your season's just not done. As as tough as it seems like it it, it will be to get there, and it 100 is going to be a hard road to climb um, to travel. Uh, it's doable. Um, so yeah, that's uh, pretty much the story on this one. Um, also, shout out to uh, Alex Trebek. For being at the Panda, I guess <laughs> Ottawa U grad himself, um, yeah, looking sharp in that Ottawa U hockey jersey um, with the name on the back. But anyways, as we mentioned, for Carlton going into next week, they will be uh, at home taking on McMaster, <clears throat> and for Ottawa, they will also be home when uh, Windsor comes to town. So with that being said, let's put the Panda to bed and let's move on to our next game, Laurier versus Windsor. Final score in this game, the Laurier Golden Hawks 52, the Windsor Lancers 10. This game was in Windsor and this actually marks the second game in a row that Laurier has gone and dropped a 52 burger on on someone's head. And, uh, you know, shout out to Connor Caracello. I believe you were mentioning he picked up the OUA player um, yeah, he did. for Offensive Player of the Week. And I definitely toyed with the idea of giving it to him um, myself and the numbers are very strong 23 for 31 374 in the air four TDs only one pick and you know I, I'm always a big fan when a guy can spread it around you had Ente with eight uh, receptions uh, Peterman with nine you had Cavante Bailey Brenton Hall Romy Sin- you know the usual suspects everyone getting involved and so I'm always a fan of that when you see a quarterback not just relying on necessarily one guy or a handful of big plays to really make up the, the bulk of his yardage but you know n- not to take anything away from him but we've now seen that this is a Windsor team a Windsor defense in specific a Windsor secondary to get even more specific that um, really really has struggled this year and from what I understand they're a fairly young group and so maybe this will be just trial by fire and and for the long the long haul it will it'll pay dividends with them experiencing these defeats uh, to the hands of the Lauriers and the Westerns of the world um, who have such strong passing games. But nonetheless, um, big shout to Connor uh, Carousel in this game. Uh, Dakota, what was, what was your take from this one? I don't you're, – you're mentioning that it's a young Windsor team or young Windsor defense, and just put yourself in their shoes right now. You're 1-6. The last three games combined, you've let opponents put up over 150 points on you. Yeah. What what is going on in that locker room right now that you're not just kind of you know football players are are tough mentally you have to be let's be realistic anyone that's ever stepped on the field knows that but at what point are you kind of just we're yeah. done, we're done now you know Mac and Western I kind of understand putting those big points uh, Laurie I love the way they came roaring back after the bye week they're probably the biggest who's back ever we've had this season but yeah I didn't expect them to put up. 52. I don't know if you expected them to run 52. I know that Windsor's defense has been struggling, but where do you go from here if you're Windsor? It's, obviously, it's a done for the season, but now what, are you mixing in new guys? Are you trying to get new people on the depth, ro- like on the on the dress roster? 
and, and don't look at me yeah, saying yeah. I know the Cicelli's <laughs> and all that because I have no, no idea no. what they're going to be thinking. No, 100%. And, you know, this is always a funny thing um, you see with the OUA schedule when, so Windsor, not to jump ahead, will they're traveling to Ottawa next week, as we already mentioned, wrapping up the Panda game. But uh, they, have, they have the week nine bye. So their season truly does end after next week, win or lose. Um, which I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious how that feels. I've, I've never personally been in, in, that, in that situation. My time at Guelph, and I don't, I'm not trying to make fun of that. I wonder what that feels like going into that, having that extra uh, week of the off season. But it is tough. And you mentioned those those three losses, and by no means, you know, we obviously seen what Laurier has done the way they bounced back this year. But going into the season, obviously, when the schedule comes out and you see the back end of your schedule, your back four games are Mac. Western, Laurier, Ottawa. You know you're in for a dogfight no matter what happens in those first four games. But you talk about those those three games, that three-game stretch. Two of those games are at home too, um, which you, you, it's, I mean, that, you, you never like giving up that type of, those types of uh, numbers when you're at home. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough. I, I think that for a young team, you just have to keep, to, to use perhaps one of the most overused in, uh, expressions in sports, you just have to trust in the process and just <laughs> know that you're doing the right things um, to get better. But speaking of getting better, I, I we really just need to talk about talk about Laurier for this one because they truly have been getting better week after week coming off that bye. Dark horse of the year. It, I mean, it, it's seriously looking like it could be. We obviously already talked about uh, Carousel's numbers. Lavondre Gordon, another really strong game. 14 attempts, 82 yards. Actually, you know what? I guess a bit of a, a weaker game by his standards. Didn't get it into the end zone. Um, but what I was, a note I made watching this one, because it was brought up by the announcers, the, the Windsor uh, crew, crew that was calling the game, in that uh, Laurier leads the league in time of possession. And maybe that's, I mean, that probably goes hand in hand with the fact that you have the best running back in the game. <clears throat> Pardon me. But also, when you watch them, it really looks like they do run down the clock quite a bit before snapping it for no other reason than, or for no apparent reason in terms of game situation. It, you know, is like second quarter, you know, nothing really happening. They would still run it down. I'm curious if you have any read on that for a team that just generally makes it there their objective going into a game saying that we want to just control the clock, we want to run it down. I mean, they were up anyways. But do you have a read on that? It's, it's weird because every time I've played or coached, it's always been a hurry-up offense and gain the ball off as quick as possible, not letting the defense get set. The only thing I can really think of just off the top of my head, and this is going to make me sound like a bad coach, is just giving your quarterback more time to read the defense, more time to audible out of sight. It's it's kind of showing more trust in your players uh, as opposed to having that coach call in the play, just say, get it going, get it going. Yeah. It gives Connor that chance to, okay, let's read. Let's see what's there. Uh, maybe let's switch it up a little bit. We'll move some guys in motion and really get the right play off and not rush and make mistakes. Yeah, that, that makes plenty of sense to me. I I thought it was interesting, though. I mean, obviously, it, go, it does go hand-in-hand with them having a strong running attack. Um and then obviously the defense was still very strong, only giving up ten points. But even more so than that, I was really, I was a bit disappointed with Windsor's performance on offense. And you know, I'm a I'm a big Sam Gerrard fan. Uh, he's he's obviously had effective games with his receiving core, with the running backs that he has this year. And there was just plays where 
you know, he'd have the time in the pocket. He'd have receivers coming open and a couple just bad misses, a couple just bad drops. And I feel like it just got to a point where, you know, you miss on a few of those plays and at a certain point, the morale just drops down. So, uh, you know, I definitely will give Laurie the credit defensively for, for stifling them quite a bit. But I was I was pretty disappointed um, in Windsor's offense, really not, not getting much going at all. Well, yeah, he threw in, in – I can say this – one because no one can stop me, and two because I feel like we've give, given Gerard a lot of credit over the year. I've definitely said I think he's the most underrated quarterback in the league, uh, where he kind of just quietly goes out there, throws three touchdowns and three hundred plus yards a game, but it just wasn't there for me. He's twenty seven percent completion. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And then you know, they decided to go with a community of running backs, and that didn't work either. Like nothing seemed to really get going for them. The only thing that really kind of showed was. That Chris Osikusi was averaging 25 yards a catch. But still, two receptions, you expect a lot more. You know, he had more targets, obviously, but it just it just wasn't working for them, and it wasn't the offense that we kind of saw in the first game of the season where their running game was looking like the best running game in the league, yeah. and then suddenly it just kind of fell off for them. But again, not giving them any excuses, but going back to the fact that this is a new team, this is a new yeah. coaching system, they will get better. It's just really not their year this year. Yeah, and that's you know that's that's the way it's going to be. Young team, young coaching staff. Uh, I will give a shout out to Gerard for uh, we've kind of joked about his ability as a runner, fifty-two yards, and if I'm remembering correctly, he hurdled someone. And you know we see we saw a lot of hurdles this week, and there one in particular that will 100% get to in uh, in our in our next breakdown. Um, but you know, shout out to Sammy for having. Uh, having his Air Jordans on. Uh, last point I'll make is that for Laurier, I don't think either of them stayed out of the game, but at times uh, we saw Trayvon James come out and Sam Achenpong. So if either of those guys, like I said, it didn't look like, I think they both were able to walk off on their own power, didn't look serious, but obviously when we talk this Laurier team, it starts with that, that defensive front and with those guys causing havoc in the backfield, getting sacks, stifling run games, so hopefully there's no problems with those two because they are the, um, you know, the central cogs that make that Laurier defense tick. Um, so we'll see how they're performing uh, next week when they have the Battle of Waterloo, or say this coming week. It's two days from now, um, Thursday nighter. And for uh, Windsor, as we mentioned, they have a Friday night game down in Ottawa versus the GGs. We'll see if they can end their season, perhaps playing playing a little spoiler role. You know, you ask like what what's left for them? Hey, nothing wrong with a little spoiler action. Um, so we'll see if 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 uh, Gerard and his boys can come through with that. But for now, let's put that game to rest and let's move on to Waterloo versus Western. Final score in this game: the Western Mustangs forty-five, the Waterloo Warriors forty-two. Now, OUA TV was having a bit of difficulty, from what I understand, showing this game at the start. And I truly hope that if if you were trying to tune into this game and saw that they were having technical difficulties, that that did not discourage you. Because if you didn't make any attempts to come back to this game... It wasn't that good of a game, though. Oh, well, was it? Eh, I, I mean, think it was that... Ex- was, it, was it exciting? I I mean, by, this is one man's opinion. One man's opinion, but, you know... Last second field goal off of a fumble, 45-42 final. Why, why on earth would they want to televise that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, smarter minds than me make these decisions, apparently. But all that joking aside, all that kidding, 
this is, this is I, I'm, I'm resisting dropping an F-bomb here. Amazing freaking game. Holy smokes. Uh, you know, the OUA MVP, uh, Chris Merchant. We saw all the weapons. Dion Pellerin, um, Brett Ellerman going off. Trey Humes having a Trey Humes game. Oh, my goodness. Where where do we start with this? Where? I don't know. <laughs> um, let's start with Waterloo because we're going to have to end up with a bang with Western. Okay. Um Story. I mean, story, a few storylines in this one. Trey Ford, um, you know, seventeen for nineteen. So, I mean, so efficient as all heck. Two hundred fifty-two yards, no TDs, no interceptions. So not quite the the stats we would have wanted. But he still was able to net one hundred and one on the yard, two TDs, and then his is is running back Dion Pellerin, one forty-one and three touchdowns, and that's obviously remarkable. The the thing people obviously remember with with Dion this game is the fumble at the end, leading to the the Legio field goal sealing the win. Which is for, which is ridiculous, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but no. you know everyone always remembers the last second fumble. Just to reference, you know NFL this week, Juju Smith fumbled to cost them the game in overtime. But you also got to look at Waterloo's not in that position to be tied if he doesn't score three touchdowns. Oh, 100 And I know you're on that side, but just for everyone who's like, oh, you know, he fumbled, he cost us a game. You're not he's in the, that. He's the reason he kept you in that yeah. game. Oh, 100%. And let's not, you know, you mentioned when we talked about Windsor, how week one we thought they might have one of the better running games, except Savani went off against York, so who really cares? Pellerin did this against Western. Like, that... And and Eddie made Eddie made a point to to make sure we mentioned this that Western defensively was very banged up, and you could see watching this game that they were doing a lot playing a lot of three man fronts, and watching it not really knowing that they were injured initially my thought was and this still might have been the case that they were just trying to contain Trey Ford and I'm actually going to say all that to to lead into another reason that I found Trey so effective and so impressive this week is that their defensive ends weren't for a lot of plays I watched didn't really rush they were just contain not trying to let Trey out of the pocket but Trey still managed to what did we say it was 101 yards all rushing up the middle with those linebackers just waiting for him. We obviously saw the nasty hurdle that he had um, that I think 100% they should take a silhouette of that, much like how Jerry West is a silhouette for the NBA logo. And just uh, Trey Ford is the new, he's the new OUA, new U Sports logo. That should that should just be a thing. Let's make that happen. Um, <laughs> but unbelievable. But as I said, obviously a big part of that too, the Western defense being a little banged up. Well, just to speak on that, um, a storyline that maybe not a lot of people know about, uh, Mackenzie Ferguson, a fifth-year graduate student at Western, uh, was planning to step away from playing football at Western this year just to focus on his graduate degree and let the younger have a chance. So he had talked to Greg Marshall and said, you know, let me know if you need me or anything. And this week he got called up. Obviously he stayed in shape, stayed close to the team, but he wasn't you know, he hadn't really been playing this season and he got called up. He came out of retirement to come into this game because of all the injuries. They needed that veteran presence. And, you know, he didn't come off with any huge pick sixes or anything like that. But just to have that veteran presence there is definitely helpful for a team that is low on the defensive end with all these injuries. Uh, definitely a really, really great point. Very interesting none, uh, as well. Um, but it's, and we talked about the one fumble for Pellerin. And I'd say just ultimately what killed. Waterloo in, in this point and what you know now that I think about it saying what killed them the fact that they only lost by a field goal 
and still had all these mistakes is quite a testament to where they're at. But, you know, they give two interceptions. Or, pardon me. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They had, sorry, three fumbles, three lost fumbles. And I'm pretty sure all those led to points. One, obviously, the field goal at the end. One led to a one of Ellerman's touchdowns. I think the other one might have been another Ellerman touchdown. Whatever it was. But that that's obviously devastating. I mean, we've made this point with so many different games, so many different teams. What's your line? Ball security, job security, right? Yeah. To be, to be fair, though, Waterloo did have, uh, Jupiter Dean did have that 91-yard interception turn for a touchdown. Sure. So it does go both ways. But, yes, obviously, the team that holds on to the ball the most is more likely to win. Yeah. Also, just a stat line for apologies to Mackenzie Ferguson. He did lead Western in tackling with five solos and four assists. Ah, he's washed up. No, he so, can't play. You can't play, Mac. No, you're just <laughs> no good. So my apologies there saying he didn't really do much on the stat line. He he did, just no, obviously no interceptions or fumble recoveries. But Well, so let's, let's take that point to transition more fully now to talking about Western. Um, the the star of this the show for them hundred percent Brett Ellerman. I mean the numbers speak for themselves as well as anything could. I mean nine receptions, one hundred and seventy seven yards, two touchdowns, a massive. He's an OUA All Star. Let's, let's get the votes in right now. I said it from week one. He's going to be an OUA All Star this year. I I you know I I'm not I'm not going to really put up much of an argument for that. I mean, he's been he's been consistent all year. A massive game like this to just pad the stats even more so. I, for, for sure. Um, and amongst those stats was a massive catch late on the drive that I think led to the game-tying field goal where they were in second and long. He I comes... Third, I think it was third and long. Oh, I was it? I think it was third and 17. I'll have to double-check the yeah, tape, but yeah. Whatever, just a you know, massive clutch play. And obviously, credit going to Chris Merchant as well. You know, Merchant finishing 21 for 33, 349, three TDs, two picks, and of course, as you mentioned, one of those... Uh, being taken away by Deshaun Jupiter Dean taken into the house. Um, Trey Humes with a really good game as well. Trey Humes is Trey Humes. Trey that's, Humes. that's just when, that's just when, when he, when he puts up over 90 yards, Trey Humes is just Trey Humes. This is what I expected. You know, but one thing that I, I didn't really notice or I didn't really get the vibe of watching per se, but checking out the box score afterwards, one thing that I think stands out more than any number that a, any player in particular put up is the fact that, I mean, for one, Waterloo finished this game with only, we talk about the turnovers. Finished with only two penalties. That's outstanding. Two penalties for 12 yards. That's a very disciplined game. And on the flip side, you have Western with nine penalties for 102. Now, nine for 102, that's not, you know, that, that's not going to kill you. That's not necessarily going to buy you, you know, uh, <laughs> win sprints necessarily at practice. But it's, it's very, it's rare. And especially given that Western was home as well in this situation, it's so rare that we see Western be the more the more penalized team, and obviously that there's a lot of factors that can go into penalties. But I, I don't, I like as someone who went to Western, watched a lot of these games. Like, no, it's it, I'm it's, not wrong with that, right? No, That's, you're not. You're not wrong. It's definitely surprising that the thing is, nine penalties isn't isn't terrible. It's no. not great. But then when you look at the contrast of of two penalties, yeah. But I guess they can't. Western can't do anything if they can't make. No, <laughs> they can't. You know. <laughs> but I, I've always had this mindset as a coach. That if you give up pretty much a full field of penalties, you're giving up probably seven points at least off those penalties. True. So true. that's something the coaches have to look at and say, okay, maybe this five yard here, this ten yard here wasn't that much, but in a game that's so close, it's something you got to crack down on. On the again, on the flip side, Waterloo goes back and says, guys, great discipline game on the penalty side. We got to crack down on the on the turnover side. So it's 
Western definitely led in a negative sense on the penalties, and when Waterloo led in the negative sense on the turnovers. So both sides yeah. have a lot to take away from this. I'll, I'd be excited to see this in the playoffs again, it, if, if we can. And ultimately what it comes down to, and I think, you know, I was definitely wrong in thinking that 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 Western's last challenge was when they beat Guelph, but I think the best thing anyone can take away from this game is that, oh, I mean, A, if you watch this game, you know, you're like you, on behalf of Waterloo, Western, and, and the OUA, you're welcome for such an entertaining game. But as you mentioned, perhaps a setup for another brilliant game down the future. And one last point that I'll make on it, and I'll, I'll, I'll give my dad some credit when I was talking to him on the phone about this game, is he 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 was he was asking me, he was like, when's the last time a team put up 42 points on Western? And and well, sticking with his four, four, are we talking are we talking playoffs? Well, talking playoffs, but still sticking within the OUA. So well, it's Javi Laurier. Yeah, it's it's the Yates Cup win. I don't know, you want to talk about that game, <laughs> but yeah, forty three. Who had the last second field goal this time? Hey, there you go, Legio Legio with with the payback against the, another Waterloo team, I guess. So some odd retribution there. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. The the the, the first you know big score we already talked about in that Guelph game being the first game in so long for a team to hold Western off the scoreboard or at least hold their uh, offense out of the end zone and you know now first team in quite some time putting up these types of numbers so you know as we as a, a, a an addition to a storyline that we've talked about a few things this is a western team that is probably still going to go undefeated but they've looked so much more human in the pursuit of that undefeated record oh they de- they definitely do they're still the powerhouse that western is you know maybe people aren't aren't shaking in their boots quite as much but they should be but like we said last week where I don't know if if we both agreed on this, but this game was going to be either Western puts up almost 50 and shuts out Waterloo, or Western puts up almost 50, but it's a complete shootout, and it's a complete shootout. And I think the big thing with that is, obviously, Trey Ford leading this team with, you know, you can watch film as much as you want to watch film, but there is no quarterback you can have on the scout team. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the scout team here for what for Western had a running a receiver, back, a running yeah, back, yeah. a receiver. We used to do that all the time ago. because you you yeah. can't you can't mimic what Trey Ford does. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to really prepare other than watching. You can't like film is only gonna do so much. When you have a guy who's dropping back and can bomb the ball, or just take it and go, it's really hard to prepare for that. And that's why this game is not surprising. I'm not happy that Waterloo put up so many points. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I enjoy it. I am happy, but it's not surprising that Trey Ford could lead a team like that. I'm, you know, as a guy who spent three years on uh, Guelph's offensive scout team, I forget who the quarterback. You know, if, if I took a, a minute to really think about, it, I'd figure it out. But I forget who it was that we would always plan for, where we would have a receiver, a running back, exactly as you mentioned, in a quarterback for a scout team, and the cue was always, "All right." You're going to have a three-second clock in your head, and then I just want you to run, do whatever you want. And it's just, exactly, how do you prepare for something like that? Um, and we'll see uh, We'll see Trey Ford back in action on the shortened week for the Battle of Waterloo this Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Make sure to be there if you're in the area. Be sure to tune in on OUA TV if you cannot be. Uh, you know, you don't need to watch the Pats and the Giants. This is what your attention needs to be if you need a football fix on a Thursday night. And for the Mustangs, they get a much, much-deserved bye week to... Uh, well, rest up after a brilliant season thus far, heading into what will be their final game of the regular season, Week 9, uh, against Ottawa. But with that being said, let's put this one to bed and let's move on to the last game of this week, McMaster versus Toronto. Final score in this game, the McMaster Marauders 16, the U of T Blues 8. 
you know, before we actually get into the action, I want to talk about, you know, we address this on Instagram, but let's put this on, on the pod too, that when the U Sports standings came out, they ended up putting, Mac fell three spots after this game. And now, where are they sitting now? They're, they're Se- seventh? seventh or eighth. Seventh or eighth. And Guelph is now ahead of them after having a, a bye week, after a win against Toronto for Mac. And I, this, I mean, I'm, I know you're as confused as I am. Do you, do you have any hidden theories on this? Any thoughts that we didn't even talk about? Like what, what, what's with this? I mean, well, I've, we've seen this dip before. First of all, these U Sport rankings, I didn't know, but they are just voted on by people in the football community, which I guess makes sense. But I think the vote should apply for teams that are in the East that maybe do they deserve to be there. Yeah, you get like or, 75% of a vote. Or teams like Ottawa versus Waterloo, where they have the same record. Or also Guelph that has the same record. So why... Would Mac, who, yes, didn't have a great game against York and then saw a drop, and then, yes, didn't have a great game against Toronto but saw a drop, a win's a win's a win's a win. Yeah. And are we also going to pretend like it's it's a couple years ago, even last year, a poor win against Toronto is a poor win, much like a poor, like a, a not dominant win against York is, is seen as not great, but... Aside from them kind of slowing down a bit, uh, this three-game losing streak for U of T, it, you know, winning by eight, that, uh, you know, you'd expect Mac to win by more, but that's that, that's not but, like shame on you, Marauders, but even, for only winning but even if by eight. All of that didn't matter. Yeah, I think one thing should matter. They won. Did McMaster beat Guelph this year, or did yes. Guelph beat McMaster? Uh, McMaster beat Guelph. So until Guelph has a better record than McMaster, Guelph should never be above McMaster. Because they didn't beat them. Because the rankings for the playoffs, (laughs) if it's a tie, it's head-to-head. And so McMaster is ahead and also has an extra win. Look, Guelph's a great team. I've talked a lot of smack about them being on, you know, me being on the fence, but McMaster should be ahead of them in the rankings. No, hundred percent. No, I I completely agree. Um, If if anyone who does vote on that is a listener as well first of all thank you for listening if you want to uh, hit us up let us know what that's all about what the thinking was if you want to join us for a podcast at some point that would be get amazing. us on the voting panel i know you already told me how to do it <laughs> but if you could just do it for me you know what i'll actually contact the guy <laughs> i'm gonna be on the guy i will be on the voting panel next year and i promise i'll only be a little bit biased to uft i will be very biased but let's get into this though because you know, when when you look at the game for for Mac, you know, a little slow coming off the bye, and that's not necessarily a new story that we've seen with, with teams across the league. You know, look no further than U of T, three game losing streak coming off their bye. But ultimately, starting with starting with Duick, still doing what ultimately I enjoy so much from their offense, which is spreading the ball around. We mentioned the same thing. With Laurie and what uh, Connor Carousella did this week, where you know he still was able, you know, Tachinsky got three, Middlemost got five, Tommy Neal got a couple and a nasty hurdle as well. Bazo getting into a Griffith in the backfield, 
you know, the classic no true number one running back, Tavian Shan getting 44 yards. Your boy Justice Allen with 30. No Jordan Lyons in this one. I don't know if he's hurt again. I don't really know the status on that. I, I would assume he's probably hurt, um, which unfortunately, especially coming off the bye, really makes you curious as to you know what uh, you know what's going on with him. But you know, still the 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 general f- shape and form of what this Marauder offense does is what they did. They spread the ball around, a fairly balanced passing and running attack. Just not ulti- just ultimately not the numbers that we're expecting to see. I mean, Duke. One touchdown to two interceptions. I mean, what were you saying? That how many quarterbacks was it this week that had more? Too, ma- too many, too many. I think only three of the quarterbacks, maybe four, had more had te- more had more touchdowns than interceptions. And you know, one in particular is you know Clay with you know this week he was Clay with a C, just Clay you know just regular old Clay. <laughs> well, you know what? And this is one of those things where because his performance sets the bar so high. It just it's just a product of that, and you know, no touchdowns. First game all season that he hasn't had a passing touchdown. Two interceptions, and oh, you know, second second game in in three weeks where they had an opportunity going through the air to tie or take the lead. You're gonna make a lot of friends with this statement. I, I, I you know, friends of yours apparently too. Um, where they had the op- they had opportunity late and you know they're not easy plays I'm not I'm not you know giving them grief for not making those plays but we saw against Queens they had an opportunity I forget if it was to tie or take the lead I think to take the lead late and he couldn't hook up with, with Diodati who uh, we also saw wasn't in this game as well and then late in this game from I forget where they were I, th- I feel like they were McMaster's thirty to forty yard line roughly Secures rolling out to his right. Has Lovegrove running corner the front corner of the end zone, and you no, know, I, I don't know. I forget who the defender was for Mac covering him pretty well, but the ball did hit Lovegrove in the hands, couldn't corral it in. And look, like I said, incredibly tough play. Um, amazing that he was able to put his receiver in that position to have the opportunity to make that play, but just not quite what we've seen. And you know, of course, we have to take into consideration that they're playing one of, if not the best defense in the whole OUA and regardless of what we may have seen with different offenses slowing down following bye weeks I, th- I feel like defense is just defense is always defense is just defense you just go out there and play I mean as an offensive as a, another offensive guy I'm sure you can ag- agree with me in, in thinking that offense obviously is, is much more nuanced in, in the actual way you play defense a little bit more just well, get lined up in the right spot and you go. You are really making a lot of enemies with these takes right now. I thought you were just going to chirp the U of T's offense, but I know exactly what you mean, and I know you don't <laughs> mean it in an insulting way to defenses, saying that they just line up there and hit people. There's a lot more to that, unless you do mean that they just line up there and hit people. Well, I mean, as an offensive lineman, the people I was directly going up against, I mean, that is kind of their whole shtick is you just line up and hit people, but they could say the same thing about O-line. But anyways. <laughs> um, I would just like to preface this by saying that Clay is still averaging the most yards per game. He has the most touchdowns. Nolan Lovegrove and Will Corby have the most receiving touchdowns and are in the top three of yards per game. But yeah, they didn't have a good game. They didn't have a good passing game, and that's the thing with them is that their offense is based so heavily on we can throw the top off of any defenses, and if you want to cover the top, we'll throw it down low. And then we'll mix in some runs. And But when they can't get that passing game started, the defense can ease off a little bit knowing that they're not going to run. Um, so that's kind of what happened here. And 
I was surprised by this game, but kind of in a good way. I thought Mac was going to blow him out a little bit more. And you could say, okay, Mac didn't have a good game. But you can also say, you know, U of T had a good, you know, defensive game. They did have two interceptions on a very solid quarterback in Duick, mm. which kind of gives me a little bit more hope going into the, the rest of the season, hopefully gives them a little bit more hope saying, look, we know our offense can ball. We had a bad game. Our defense stepped it up. We just got to get our offense back on track. Well, and and one of the, real quick, one of those two picks, Jamal Johnson, number seven, look, you know, looking like a young Ed Reed, just a beautiful. You could see he, I guess, was watching Duick the whole time. Just made a break from the safety position and just jumped the route. I don't think Duick had any idea he was coming. That was that was awesome to see. That that was amazing. Yeah, uh, this is gonna be a tough couple weeks for U of T. You know, going into, we'll talk about the game a little more, but coming out of that bye week, unfortunately, you did kind of jinx them by saying, is this a bad time for them to go and buy? And it looks like it is, but now it's time for maybe have a, you know, do you have a players meeting with the offense and say, guys, we need to get it together. Yeah. We, we have it there. We've seen it. We can put up 50 points, 60 points, whatever. We just got to get it together, go out there, play four good quarters of football. We know we can stay in a game. The fact that it went down to a, a last-minute play against a team like McMaster, who I would say is the number five in the country, number two in the OUA, it means that if they make the playoffs, you know, anything can happen. I'm not saying they're going to win the Yates Cup. Mm. You know, Make some noise, though. I'd be happy if they made the playoffs at this point, but they're not out of this, and they have to have that mindset that they're not out of this. Yeah, and you know what? As, as much as we talked about whether, you know, well, not whether, but the fact that Secura had a, a, a less than usual game, Corby, Lovegrove. But as we've seen now, consecutive weeks, this offensive line has given up five sacks. Two consecutive weeks, given up five sacks. And if, if you're Clay, I mean, we've seen how productive he's been able to do or being able to be running the ball himself, only 33 yards rushing, but even how productive we've seen him running, or pardon me, throwing on the run, but that's not what you necessarily want from your quarterback. And, you know, you can design all types of rollouts and extra protections to give him time. But all that stuff is going to detract from what, you know, what makes him great. Like when he has the time to not only see, read the defense, see his receivers get open, but as well give his receivers time to get open. And we talked about how much, how effective Queens was in just putting an umbrella over that defense and saying you can take, or probably that offense and say you can take everything over the middle. But unless a team, but if a team's not going to do that, you need to give them time to get open. So if they're getting sacked or if they're getting pressured, if he's being forced off of his spot, and he's not able to plant, not able to throw in in the the form and fashion that he's most comfortable being. Then you're going to have things like this happen. And you know we can say what we want about this type of performance, about a good team, about a good defense. But eventually, at a certain point, if you want to make noise, you're going to have to be doing so against good defenses, against teams with great rushes like that. And so that's that's one thing moving forward. Now, having said that, obviously, they, they got Coach Irvin doing the offense, and he's obviously most known for what he was doing, or at least in the coaching ranks, that is, for coaching the O-line at Laurier, which was so successful his whole time there. So I don't doubt that he will help build that O-line, if, if not by the end of this year, you know, next year I'm sure it'll be improved. The year after, et cetera, et cetera. But to to me, that that's the biggest standout. You you, you just uh, <laughs> you, you're not going to get production from your quarterback if he's under pressure like that all game. No, you're definitely not. Um, 
and the last thing I'm going to note on this is just that this is a good game to to realize what you're doing wrong against a team that is probably the top team or one of the top teams, like I said. And, you know, you have a, a good game coming up to build your confidence and then close out the season against what you were saying, potentially the top, best top front seven in the OUA, another great defense in Guelph. And and again, not even to wipe things off on York a little bit. They have they have a solid defense too. So and an emotionally charged game too. Yeah, definitely. You know, this is they have to run the table. UFT has to run the table. So go out there and as an offense, kind of build your build your confidence a little bit against York, and then go into that last game saying, look, we we stayed in with Mac. Our offense is back where it should be. This is anybody's game, and it truly is. Again, anything can happen on any any given game. Anyone can win or lose. And you know, especially we've seen them put up those points, and you know, you put up fifty. If you can put up fifty, you should be able to beat anyone. If you come out of the gate swinging, or I guess in this case throwing, anything yeah. can happen. Hundred percent agree. And you already alluded to their week, uh, the week eight matchup coming up. It is the red and blue bull. Dakota, you will be there. I will be there. I don't know. Do we? I think. I think Brandon and Eddie might be. I don't know if we have confirmations. From I don't them. even. I'm pretty sure Brandon doesn't exist. That you know, I, I, I won't speak to that. Um, but we got the red and blue bowl um, this Friday night at Alumni Field, and for uh, pardon me for McMaster, as we already mentioned, they're traveling to Ottawa to take on Carlton um, in probably the last meaningful game of the regular season for them. I'm almost certain that if they win this game. That will just wrap up the second seed for them. So it'll be good to see what type of performance they can put up, especially against a Carlton team with their backs all the way the hell up against the wall. But we'll find out that on oh, that's also on Thursday, uh, on Thursday, and uh, oh, pardon me, that's on Friday. That's a one o'clock start on Friday. So uh, you know, play a little hooky, get out of class, get out of work, whatever you gotta do. Check out some McMaster and Carlton football. But with that being said, let's now move into our previews for Week Eight. Okay, so taking a look at the upcoming schedule, and these games are going to be coming up pretty much as you're listening to this episode. But this Thursday, we have the game of the week, our pick for game of the week, the Battle of Waterloo. It is Laurier. It is Waterloo. It is at Warrior Field. This game is obviously massive for the Golden Hawks and keeping their season alive. For Waterloo, not as important, but obviously this is a massive crosstown rivalry. These teams do not like each other. It was a brilliant game last year, um, and you know I, I expect nothing but high flying action again, especially with these two offenses and with some of the things we've seen defensively from both as well. Uh, I'll start off. I'll, I'll, I'll say I, I'm going with with, with Trey Ford and, and his boys on this one. I'm taking the Warriors. Uh, Dakota, where do you stand? I know you've had a little trouble with this pick. It's tough, and I can't say that I'm going to be decided until the actual photo comes out on our socials. <laughs> if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said Waterloo. Mm. But Laurier has come out, and they're looking really good. Mm. And Waterloo's defense isn't amazing. Nope. So it could be another shootout. But just, I'm going to pick it now and then maybe change my mind later. Just based off the fact that Trey Ford is so hard to prep for where where is this game? It's it's it's, it's at Waterloo. Field, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go with Waterloo. Yeah. You might you might hear this and then look at my picks and say, Why'd you pick Laurie? Shut up. I'm going with Waterloo. Uh, at least for the next five hours. Alright, so we're going we're both going to Waterloo on that one. Next game, the second of the Thursday matchups. We have Guelph visit, visiting Queens, six PM start. 
Um, we have both these teams coming off bye weeks. Both are going to be fresh. Both definitely needed the rest with a lot of injuries. Both actually very injured offensive lines. I'm going with Guelph on this one. Yeah, for the obvious reasons. They're better. They should win this game. You know what? I Coming into this, I said Guelph. Oh, shit. Where is this going? And it might stay there. I'm sorry I'm having such trouble <laughs> oh, right now. it might stay there. Hush, hush. Yeah, it's probably going to be Guelph, but just coming off the bye, you never really know. Um, Both coming off the bye. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You never really know where you see uh, who came off the bye and just kind of ran the table a little bit. Laurier. And then you have U of T coming off the bye, and they're looking like garbage. And you had Mac come off the bye, and they were a little slower this week. So so byes buy are really, really tossed in the air. Whew. And this is at Queens. <laughs> Sorry, sil- silences in podcasts aren't good. I'm just really... Really staring at this one. Well, the, like Queens needs this to stay alive. I, like Queens has, Queens does have a legitimate shot at the playoffs if they, if they take this game. They play York at home in their last game of the season. If they win this game, they almost they almost definitely make the playoffs. I think, or they're very. If they win this game, I'm pretty sure that probably eliminates U of T at least. You so. know what? I'm not gonna answer. I so, can't. I'm not answering it. You'll see in the, you'll see my pick, but I just can't right now. Excellent. Love it. Let's move over to the Friday games. The 1 o'clock start, as we mentioned, McMaster in Ottawa to take on the Carlton Ravens. Another team in Carlton that has their back up against the wall. They lose this game. It's done 100%. Their road to the playoffs, even with a win, is tentative at best. It's not looking great for them, but there is an opportunity. But it all starts with this victory, which would no doubt be an upset. We saw Mac's offense sputter a little bit against U of T. We know Carlton has a good defense, a much better defense than Toronto does. But having said that, I'm going to lean towards something you had mentioned the last time we saw Mac play that that slow, which was against another Toronto-based team, York. And we saw them come back the week after and lay a smackdown against Windsor. Once again, I'll say Carlton is much better than Windsor. That is not a hot take by any means, uh, even if the, the standings don't necessarily reflect it. But I think... Mac has a huge bounce back game offensively. The defense is is always going to be strong. Um, they take this one. I'd say it's a little closer, perhaps though, than I, not a blowout though. But I think Mac definitely takes this one. These games are getting a little easier for me to pick. And just looking at the schedule right now, they're going to keep getting easier for me to pick. I'm going to stick with Mac. They close out the season. They, you know, they have another game afterwards, but they close out, lock up that second spot. Yeah, go home, have a good time. Carlton will come out playing, and they'll come out swinging. And it could depend on the weather. You know, when UFT went up there, it was a little bit iffy. Yeah. But Mac has that ability to throw the ball to nine different people and run the ball with nine different people. Their defense is solid. It's going to be a great defensive battle. But I have McMaster winning by four and a half. <laughs> I, I, I it's love, a spread for gamblers. I, I love the spread. Um, and, and also, actually, for Carlton on top of, you know, if, if they needed any more motivation, this is the same McMaster team that came into their house last year during the playoffs and and and, and dethroned them. I think I got that right. But anyhow, Carlton needs this win. I'm going, We're both going Mac, though. That leads into the 7 o'clock games. We'll start off with the Red and Blue Bowl. If you're not familiar with the name, that is the UFT Blues, the York Lions. They are playing at Alumni Field up at York. But I don't give too much credence to that home field advantage playing much of an effect for them. I'm going with the Blues in this one. Really not going to stir the pot? No, no. That's your oh, job when we talk about York. Yeah, but let's be real here. I'm obviously going UFT. It's, <laughs> it's not even a question. And I think... You know, possibly jinxing a little bit, but 
this is the last game York could really stand a chance. And no, no offense to the U of T guys out there, but York does have a good, you know, you said pass defense and, mm. you know, their front four, I guess sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three for them is, is solid, but this is a U of T bounce back game. And I, you know, I'm going to dub it the revenge game of the week. Which is now my new thing with like two weeks left. Well, I like it though. No, I like <laughs> this, it. Let's this go. is my revenge game of the week for you know U of T going down the last three games. They're going up to York. This is the Battle of Toronto. They're gonna go out there and, and have a have a heck of a game. I will be there. Uh, hopefully, you know, trying to finagle a sideline pass as we speak right now. Um, but if you're at, if you're in Toronto and you're you're doing nothing on, it's a Friday night, so it's unlikely people are gonna come. But come out, come out. I think tickets are about ten bucks a person. It'll be a good time. Definitely. And then that takes us actually real quick. Red and Blue Bowl versus Battle of Toronto. I know we already have the Battle of Waterloo, but I, I, Battle of Toronto sounds cooler to me. I don't know if uh, what I think about this Red and Blue Bowl. Red and Blue just sounds like a bunch of people getting beat up, which I guess kind of is kind of is <laughs> football. football. You know, game. they they are battling until they're red and blue in the face, I guess. But no, I like Battle of Toronto. I like Battle of almost anything. Yeah, Battle of Waterloo, Battle of Toronto, except except when it comes to Panda. Don't say Battle of Ottawa. It's Panda game. Or what about Battle of the Panda though? Nah, Are stupid. they both pandas then? D- I don't know. Too confusing. Anyways, red and blue bowl. It's in stone. Uh, last game of the week, Windsor traveling to Ottawa. Last game of the season for Windsor. Playing for some pride. Playing for a little bit of perhaps an upset. You know, right now Ottawa sitting at where are they? They're they're four and two. So even if they lose lose out the season and four and four, I'm pretty sure that'll still get them in the playoffs. So I guess there's no real upset uh that that could um, go into this one, but but they want to they want a first round home field advantage. So it is a game important for Ottawa. No, that actually that's a very that's a very good point. Um, so yeah, still very important for Ottawa. Windsor last game of the year for them, and on on a high note. But I uh, I learned my lesson betting on Windsor last week. I won't make that mistake again. Um, I'll go with the GGs in this one. So they say to the victor goes the spoils, but to the spoilers goes the victory. Oh, oh, oh do it! No, do it! Sorry. Do it! Oh. I would, I would love nothing more than for Windsor to go up to Ottawa, uh, spoil the season a little bit, get that last win. But I have this, this strong feeling, and I say it every week: to going to Ottawa is so tough, and that's why it's a little bit on the fence with Mac as well. Going up to Ottawa is so tough to go up and play there. I know you got the extra day up there, but it's so much travel and just. You know, your mind's not quite in the same place it it always is. I will go with Ottawa, even though I talked all sorts of smack. I don't think Windsor's defense is, you know, they're gonna they're gonna stop Ottawa's offense. Maybe not as much as Ottawa's offense has been stopped in the last two games, but I don't think Windsor's offense isn't gonna be good enough to to really compete with how well Ottawa's defense has been doing. So, gotta stick with the GGs on this one. As much as I would love Windsor to go up and spoil it. It's going to be Ottawa. And, you know, another point I, I thought of while you were saying that is just for Ottawa, given their offense. And uh, did, did you spoke with Bittner, didn't you, about his status? Yeah, nothing nothing too, you know, I didn't want to get too into it. That's a, it can be a little a bit of a sensitive topic. Uh, but, you know, there's still some lingering issues with, with what's happened. And he doesn't quite have a timetable. So it looks like... They're stick with Miracle unless they really didn't like what they saw in that last game. So Miracle the, or Mahler, the quarterback position could be up for up for grabs, but I don't think it really matters who you put out there at quarterback right now with a defense playing that well. They're they're gonna clean up at least against these easier teams. Well, fair enough. And but for for what it's worth, whether it's Mahler, whether it's Miracle, 
They got to get the reps in. Playoffs are coming and coming very fast. So they're going to want that offense humming as, as, as best as it can. I'll say at least. Um, so that does it for our preview for week eight. And we did have one mailbag question uh, via Twitter. Our, our, our faithful listener, Mr. Nick Oakley, responded to us. And he wanted to know that given the this Waterloo-Western game was the second instance so far this year of, of a close contest uh, that we've seen a team put up against Guelph, or pardon me, against Western, Guelph being the other game. And what uh, you know, n- not to leave Mac out of the equation, they put up a really good fight. But essentially, uh, to paraphrase, Nick wanted to know whether we thought the gap between the top of the OUA and the rest of the field was was smaller than we perhaps thought. I will hand that one off to you to start with. That's a pretty vague. You know, we could definitely interpret it in a few different ways. You don't know how small we thought it was to begin with. You know. It could be exactly how small we thought it was. And out of context, that quote is horrible. <laughs> but Guelph really showed how strong their defense was. But then in that game, Western showed how amazing their defense is. And then when their Western defense is down a little bit, Waterloo showed what you can do when, when Western doesn't have all their men. But then Western showed that, okay, anything you can do, I can do better. You want to play great defense? I'm going to play great defense. You want to play great offense? I'm going to play great offense. So, yeah, yeah it could be a little closer they're still going undefeated. They're still probably going to win the Yates, at least in my book. Maybe a closer Yates this year. What happened last Yates? I don't talk about it. I don't think... No, no there wasn't a Yates last year. There wasn't a Yates? No. I checked the record books. They just went straight from the semis to the to the venue. Okay, did, did Guelph just stayed at home, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, is it closer? Yeah. But Western's still above and beyond the best team in the OUA. And if I'm not mistaken ranked the number one team in U Sports, which should, side note, still be CIS. I think U Sports is a ridiculous rebrand. Well, not to get into that too much, but to you know ad- address the point, um, you know, we, we look at the standings. The top four teams right now, it's Western, Mac, Waterloo, Guelph. Western's 3-0 against those the, the se- second through fourth teams, but by an average victory margin of, I think it's like eight or nine points. I mean, a bit of a larger spread against Mac to, to really uh, open that uh, open that spread out uh, uh, to open that gap up a bit, but ultimately, you know, we have seen tight games. You kind of mentioned that if Waterloo and Western get a rematch game, you said something to the effect of Western's not going to let that happen again. This is definitely a team that we've seen be able to turn it up a notch come playoffs, or even seemingly at will sometimes. So I I, I won't put it past them to you know despite. All the great parody we've seen this year and have continued to see. Uh, you know, I I hate to say it, it wouldn't overly surprise me if playoffs come 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 around and, and Western just does what Western uh, what Western does. But I, I think it's a fair a fair point to bring up, though. It definitely has been close, and it's made for such an enjoyable OUA season. And uh, the season's not over, and we will continue to track all the fun, wild, and wacky things going on around this league. Dakota, any last points before we we leave off for today's episode? I'm just trying to find it. Guelph did play Western during the regular season last year, right? Did they? No, they they didn't last year. They didn't? No. Okay, well, my main point was just from being part of Western and watching Western so much that Western's playoff team and Western's regular season team are just vastly different teams. So, you know, for all we know, Greg Marshall's just teasing us, saying, yeah, let's have close games. And... Just don't be surprised if Western just completely shuts out to people in the playoffs. Well, I think two, I think two years ago, 
Guelph put up a really good fight in London against Western double overtime game, and then they played in like the semis, and and Western blew them out. So I, that kind of to, to illuminate the point that you were trying to make, we've definitely seen that happen before, and maybe we'll see it this year. Maybe we will know. Maybe we won't. Maybe there'll be a new Yates Cup uh, champion this year. It would be great to see just in terms of the continued OUA. Unless parody. it's U of T, I don't really care. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe Mac, but. I guess that will do it for our uh, our episode this week. Um, yeah, we'll be at the Red and Blue Bowl. If you're there, give us a shout. Any of the players in that UFT York uh, game, uh, if you want to talk to us afterwards, we'd love to get a word on your take on the game, on the season, on your f- team's future, anything or everything you want to talk about. We will give you the platform to say whatever you want. Of course, keeping it within you know reason, of course. Whatever you want. All right, no, we're just putting it out there. Whatever you want. Um, but that does it for us uh, this week. We'll see you next week at the 55.